Have you ever noticed that podcasts are a little like sharks? When they stop swimming, they die, and they can both smell blood from a mile away. So in the spirit of keeping swimming, I'd like to introduce you to TOS Plus. Putting my business pants on for a second, TOS Plus is our new premium membership thingamajig. It's the all-access pass to a growing library of exclusive horror, sci-fi, and WTF audio fiction, along with access to the regular TOS weekly stories in higher quality, a week early, and ad-free. Once again, that's exclusive episodes, ad-free, a week early, and higher quality audio. You'll also get access to the brand new TOS Plus Vault, where you can grab our ebooks, comics, and desktop wallpapers and all sorts of stuff. All of this is available today via our Patreon campaign, which includes juicy extras like Discord access, audiobooks, and merch. And if you're an Apple user, you can subscribe directly via the Apple Podcasts app. We're now in our eighth year of the podcast, and we've got so many cool projects on the boil none of which would be possible without the ongoing support of our listeners, specifically our premium subscribers, our super-powered patrons, and the many multi-dimensional voodoo priests air-guitaring to the TOS intro jingle. For more, head over to theotherstories.net forward slash plus. Once again, that's theotherstories.net forward slash plus. Hello, my name is Alex Markley, and I'm inviting you to check out my new podcast. It's a surreal sci-fi comedy series called The Unlikely Adventures of an Improbable Family. It's about a forlorn shell of a man, his egotistical laptop, a cartoon alien fuzzball, and a mysterious woman with telepathic abilities. You can find The Unlikely Adventures on the web at unlikely.show or wherever you find your podcasts. Give it a listen and let me know what you think. And thanks. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> Today's episode of The Other Stories is She Burns, written by Luke Condor and narrated by Georgia Cook. From the rags, a jeweled hand emerged. The wrinkled skin explored the musty air before disappearing into another fold, then returning with a box of matches, its packaging faded and dirty and damp. The seer gave it a rattle before throwing it to the table. Sitting across the fold-out laminate seating area, Lil stared at the box. The longer she looked, the more the air around her thickened as if the complexities of the world were boiling, reducing to something more fundamental, something arcane. 
She tried to speak, but her voice cracked. The seer laughed, revealing a Cheshire crescent beneath her hood. Go on, Poppet, they said. There's nothing to be so nervy about. Lil wanted to reach out and take the box, but her hands wouldn't work. They were frozen, shaking. Stage fright, she figured. Something she'd never quite gotten over, and likely what had led her to that caravan today. From innocent Google searches to guilty dark web inquiries, to a friend of a friend, to a former associate, to a three-hour car ride that led to a field occupied by Roma, to the solitary caravan at the far end, the one with the drawn curtains and the smoking fire pit by the door. Lil recognised the tightening of her ribcage. She tried to calm her breathing. The stage fright. Always the stage fright. It had given her sleepless nights, lost her a lot of good parts, given way to doubts. Maybe you're just not cut out for acting, the doubt said. Maybe you're destined for something else. Like an accountant. Or one of those people who makes candles. You always were a bit woo-woo, her mother had said over herbal teas one morning. Have you ever considered teaching yoga? Lil cleared her throat. She looked around, tried to find a clear space, but there were none. Everything about the seer was busy, not only in their fidgeting movements and many clothes, but the caravan itself. Every table, shelf and countertop held some peculiar trinket or bowl, all topped with scented things, noisy things. Coins, marbles, herbs. Taut shopping bags hung from cabinet doors, containing dark and weighty things. Each hob in the kitchenette was occupied. Two pans bubbled. Strange vegetables boiled. Grey meats tumbled. Uh, what now? Lil said. Well? The seer said. I told you the truth. That I'm not destined to be an actor. At least not a successful one. I'm afraid not, Poppet. Is it really that bad, though? The seer said. It's... She began. It was all I ever wanted. Aspirations can dull over time. You will find other passions. Not this. The seer sucked their teeth. Unseen jewellery rattled as they slid open the matchbox. They tapped out a single match and held it up to a dusty slither of sunlight, poking in through the curtains. The match was crooked. The seer placed it in Lil's shaking right hand. It's a choice, is all, the seer said. I can't make it for you. Lil understood. She lit the match. Leaving the seer, then the caravan park, Lil drove the three hours back to Nottingham. She stopped at a service station, grabbed a bucket of chicken from a dinky KFC, perched on the bonnet. She ate fried skin, drank watery coke, and watched the sun go down. She smiled, breathed easy. The last of the light warmed her cheeks as she dreamt of what lay ahead. Home, she thought, then sleep, and then tomorrow, 
the magic begins. The next morning, Lil woke up late for her audition. She barely had time to shower and get dressed before leaving for the bus. She muttered her lines, a small part in some comedy she didn't understand, as she ran from the stop to the theatre at the far end of the city. She was still shaking, and her stage fright was as vicious as ever. But she had no time to give the doubts room to flower, as she was led through a stage door into a cramped concrete labyrinth and onto a lit stage. A peppering of people watched from the seats. One was standing. The director, bald in a turtleneck, with a conquistador-style beard. Hello, hello, hello! The director bellowed. Hi, Lil said, trembling. Why, she wondered. Why was she still so scared? The unsteadiness belonged to that distant land called Yesterday. From here on out, she figured, it was all tomorrow's, that glorious island in which she would live the life she always wanted, of artistic wonder and assured success, an island surrounded by a flourishing sea of golden spotlights and enraptured faces. My dear, the director said. Sorry, what did you say? Lil replied. Are you ready? Lil thought about the match and its dancing flame. Yes, she said, tasting smoke. I'm ready. She went on with the audition. She didn't understand the jokes, but she got a laugh. Then she got the part. Living off beans, spaghetti, ramen noodles, and from friends' sofas in dodgy flat chairs, she lived it. The life of tomorrows. The life of the down and out and the up and coming. She found steady work in a travelling troupe performing bite-sized version of Shakespeare plays. She got a seasonal gig as a ghostly prisoner at the Nottingham Jail, and on the weekend she waited tables at a café by the castle. She lost more parts than she got. It was to be expected. She got punched in the face by a scared man at the jail. Hazards of the job. The travelling troupe went bust and she lost her waitressing gig at the café when she missed a shift to record self-tapes for an agent. She didn't mind, because it was going to work out. She knew this, because the seer had burned away the doubts. Even on the evening, she went without food. On the mornings, red-stamped letters crawled through her letterbox. On the days, the cracks appeared in her dreams. She would simply think of the flame, feel the warming on her cheeks, and she would understand... This was all part of the journey. She took the job loss as a sign and left for London and found work as a stagehand at the Arts Theatre, a cornerstone of the London West End. There were more flat shares, more sleeping on sofas, a lot more working, more auditioning, more everything, networking, hellos and introductions and aspirations, more drinking, more smoking, the moments all jangling together like charms on bracelets like the rings on the end of old wrinkled fingers. One October night she worked late, finished up around two in the morning. Some of the guys and girls from the production, a gaslit mystery called the London Particular, asked the techies and staff if they fancied a goodbye drink. We need to see the show off, a stranger said. If we don't celebrate these moments as they pass, then what's the point, you know? 
I, I have an audition in the morning, Lil told him. You're an actor, he said. Yes. Me too. Uh, you were in the show? I played three of the demons in the fog. Why not just come for one? The stranger replied. Any tips for a future sensation? Lil asked. And just one drink? The stranger nodded. Yes and yes, he said. Lil declined because it was what she should have done. She said goodbye and hurried towards the nearest underground station. But it was a smoky night in Soho, cold and damp, and she quickly changed her mind and followed the stranger into the bar. His name was David Calhoun. He was Canadian, a professional stage actor, a charming man, all told. A sweet lover, too. As he lay next to her that night, she ran her fingers along the curves of his shoulders, admired how pale and smooth and beautiful his skin was, like a china doll's. When she eventually drifted, she dreamt that he was above her, sitting on her chest, his lips blistering, eyes boiling. Life got quicker from here on out, so quick that she missed her audition. It was a dream role, and she would have killed for the part, but she couldn't stop throwing up. She had to call the casting agent with her head inches from the toilet bowl, pleading with them to give her another slot. Um, tomorrow? 12.30pm. Last chance, Lil, they said. Yes, Lil said ending the call and returning to the toilet bowl. Later, on a Skype call with a terrible connection. I can't keep it, Lil told David, who was back home in Canada for the off-season. I can't. I'm alone in fucking London, and this isn't how this is supposed to go. Alone, David said. Come on, Lil. I'll be back there in three weeks for rehearsals. Only three weeks. Can you wait until then? We should talk face to face before we make any decisions we can't take back. You've been cast in something else? Lil said. Yeah, and it's a principal role. Really? You sound sad. No, it, it is good. It's really good. Lil said. Can you wait until I get back? David asked. I don't know, I don't... Time skipped along, ever quicker. Nine months went by in the blink of an eye, and Lil gave birth to a daughter. She had Lil's button nose and her father's china doll skin, and though Lottie was not planned, she was perfect. By then, David had already moved to the UK full-time, and they'd found a cheap flat above a chip shop just outside of London. Only an hour on the train if I need to go in for work, David said. Or me, Lil said. If I get an audition or something. Right. There were no auditions, though. There was only time for the baby. But Lottie wasn't a baby for long. Wasn't a child for long. The early years sped by and so did Lil's life. Though it felt less like life was speeding up and more like it concertinaed. Like everything was squashing together, running parallel. The memories of Lottie cooing in her cot, 
sat right next to her first days of school, and Lil's memory of stepping off the train on her first day of moving to London sat right next to the day that David left her and Lottie all alone, moved to New York for a dream role, all of which sat next to Lil's big decision, the life, the ups and downs of it. At some point she'd gotten off the roller coaster, and truth be told, she didn't mind. When she held up the visions of her successful actor life, they paled in comparison to the simplest moments with her child. A kiss, a laugh, a gentle thought passing across her face. These innocent times were heavenly bright. They warmed Lil's cheeks in ways that stage lights never could. Much later on, Lil taught acting classes at the local leisure centre. Nothing big just for amateur productions. They were bad, terrible at times, and always ridiculous in the best ways. One of her students was a man with crooked teeth called Huey. He was a terrible, god-awful actor. Lil liked Huey a lot. She wondered if she might ask him to. Later, still, another decision. The treatments were ruining Lil's life far more than the cancer. They were making her hair fall out, making her regret waking up, detest each painful breath. She'd already told everyone she was going to end on her terms. Huey and Lottie accepted it with tears and hugs. David never even picked up the phone. I've had a good one, Lil told her family. It's been lovely, really. The strangest thing. Lil died, but she didn't leave her body. She watched from behind closed eyes as they rolled her into the furnace, listened as her loved ones made tearful goodbyes, as they played her favourite song. The flames, small at first, licked her skin before swallowing her entirely. From above herself, she saw her hair curl like burning spider legs her flesh blacken and collapse, as if it had never been anything more than a convincing sculpture of ash. But the flames were not satisfied. They escaped the casket, found purchase on the curtains, the carpets, the people. They, too, burned before collapsing like howling candles. But still, the flames were not satisfied. As the forest fire rages from tree to tree, the flames swallowed the many moments of Lil's concertinaed life. They found her audition, burned down the stage, scorched the director alive. They burned down the castle and the jail. They brought London's West End to the ground. They caught David's pale and beautiful skin while he slept. He woke, peeled himself from the bedsheets, rolled off the side like a screaming Catherine wheel. The flames were ravenous. They consumed Lil's chance encounters, her decisions, her Huey, the up and coming, the down and out, her land of tomorrows. They burned through minutes, hours, days and more, until finally, they found the hospital bed. Lottie's newborn tears evaporated as she called for her mother, and even though she burned to the touch, Lil pulled her baby close. In the fire, Lottie's delicate hand reached out, 
and wrapped around Lil's index finger. Ouch! Lil said, shaking her hand. The voice cracked, broke. It didn't sound like how it should. Nothing looked how it should, felt like it should. How was it, Poppet? said the seer, inspecting Lil's face. Was it worth it? They said, a Cheshire crescent beneath the hood. I don't... My, my baby, I don't... Did you make the right choice? Did you burn the future you didn't want? The match was still in Lil's hand, a fine cottony trail of smoke dancing towards the caravan roof. In its whispery crackling, she could still hear the faint cries of a child that she would now never know. Well, asked the seer, did you? I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Do You Ever Stories? Sheepers was written by Luke Condor, narrated by Georgia Cook, edited by Duncan Muggleton, with music by Duncan Muggleton and Tom Robson. The sound effect provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Joshua Boucher and Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our submission reading. And of course to Ben Errington, the virtual warlock, summoning the engagement with every social media content spell. Luke Condor started writing on his computer in his very early teens and never looked back. Now he has very sore eyes. He also runs and produces this podcast, the other stories, and he currently lives and works on a dining room table in the middle of Sherwood Forest. For more, head over to lukecondor.com or follow me on Instagram. That's my social media of choice, Luke of Condor, and it's Condor with a K. Georgia Cook is an illustrator and writer from London. She's the winner of the LISP 2020 Flash Fiction Prize and has been shortlisted for the Bridport Prize, Staunch Book Prize, and Reflex Fiction Award, among others. She can be found on Twitter at, at Georgia Cooks or on her website at georgiacookwriter.com. Georgia also does lots of uh, amazing sketches and illustrations. I very much recommend following her on social media. Dear Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. So, until next time. 